Dodgers pulls up, three-pointer. Bang! Bang! It's good! Dodgers wins the game at the buzzer! For Tyler Durbin, is super reliable inside of 40. This is from 45, and it's blocked! Lions scoop it up! Jackson takes it himself. When 6.15 hits, nothing is off the table. This is No Boundaries with Zach Donaldson and Connor Griffin, live on Com Radio. What's up, danger? Like, what's up, danger? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, into No Boundaries. Connor Griffin, Zach Donaldson here on Finals Week. Who cares? We're still doing the show. We are still doing the show. Not that we don't care about our studies, of course. We made sure that we finished all of our final projects and all of our papers that are due and everything like that. But we still decided to come here and do a show, even though it is Finals Week. Even though, theoretically, we could be home right now. We are here in the studio at the Belisario Media Center. I'm stoked to be here. And I know you are too, Zach. Absolutely. Didn't want to leave our listeners hanging here last week of the fall semester. But uh, we're going to finish on a strong note. Absolutely. Wait a second. Say that again. We're going to finish on a strong note. Absolutely. Say it again again. We're going to finish on there a strong go. note. Absolutely. I had the wrong mic turned on for you, buddy. <laughs> That's my apology. Uh, no worries. It happens. We don't have many technical difficulties in here, so. Yeah, it's it's not like, you know, we're now nine shows in. It's not like <laughs> I have an idea of what I'm doing. Oh, um, did I just turn my mic off, too? Hello? Testing, testing? I did. <laughs> did Connor turn his mic off? I'm turning my mic off. Testing, testing, we're back. Oh, my goodness. This has been a brutal start to the show. Hold on. Testing. Yeah, we're good now. Wow, that was bad. That was really bad. So, what it was, I know what it is now. For the past couple of weeks, I've been using a different microphone in here because the main microphone that I used to use was going all haywire and it wouldn't stay attached to, you know, its little hinge. Now it's attached and I had the button pressed on for the microphone I've been using for the past couple weeks. When in reality, I was like, oh, wait, no, I'm using the one that I started off with because it's now not acting all crazy on me. So we're good now. Microphones are in check. Test, test, one, two, three. We're booming. Business is booming. And let's get into some football. First of all, yeah, let's talk about the birds. Obviously had a bye week this past week. Um, but some interesting storylines popping up. I don't know why, and we talked about this a little bit, but people are starting to question whether or not we should have gotten Devontae Smith in the draft. Why? Just a little bit of an unforeseen storyline, uh, you know, that the Eagles fan base could talk about during this bye week. I thought it would go, I thought it would be more Minshew Hurts, but yeah. here we are, and it's uh, Devontae Smith, Micah Parsons. Now, I don't know, there's not much, you know, um, it doesn't hold much water. It's just, you know, Twitter banter, Twitter back and forth. Um, but I thought it was an interesting question at first. Um, you know, I mean, Micah is having an absolutely phenomenal season, not to mention as a rookie. I saw 
uh, a stat on Twitter. Through 13 games, he has more sacks, tackles, tackle for loss, and QB hits than Khalil Mack has his entire Defensive Player of the Year season in 2016. This is through 13 games. He's on pace for 14 sacks, 102 tackles, and 22 tackles for loss, which is just out of this world, especially for a rookie and, and a guy who... I said he remi- reminded me a lot of Luke Keekley as a linebacker um, when he played for Penn State, just how he was in every play on the field. You saw him. He was always in your screen watching him on TV. But his speed and athleticism, he has transitioned his game into a incredible, you know, uh, pass rusher. Um, the, he's become an incredible pass rusher, and um, it's easy. It's easy to look at that, and because Devonte Smith, you know, he doesn't have those eye popping numbers uh, that Parsons has his rookie year. But I also think that's a a byproduct of the offense that he's in. Um, but he's proven that he's a legitimate wide receiver. One, Micah Parsons is a phenomenal player, having a phenomenal season. Devonte Smith was the right pick. I think both can be true. I mean, he's uh, I, I I couldn't. I love his attitude. I love his his work ethic, and he's got he's got the skills to pay the bills. There aren't many w- rookie wide receivers that get separation at the, at the rate that he does. Um, if the passing offense was a little better, I think we'd see his numbers inflated a little bit more, and this conversation wouldn't uh, wouldn't be happening. Um, but yeah, I, I think when it's all said and done, I and and also there's I don't think Dallas would have even traded. Um, I don't think Dallas would have allowed the Eagles to to trade that pick if they thought they were going to take Parsons. So right. I don't even think this is like a reasonable de- debate. It's unrealistic. Yeah, I hate to break this to you, um, but I realized as you started your answer that the microphone was not working on your end. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. We, we, we caught the tail end of it. I, I know for a fact, though, in the edit when we post this on Spotify, this is going to be uh, – little bit of a, a more edited I guess you could say episode than some of our more recent ones I apologize a little uh, dicey it happens though yeah it's the first time in what <laughs> countless amount of shows probably close to 50 now yeah probably I've close been, to 50 shows I've been really a lot of sorts. it's been a busy past couple of days um national signing day coming up tomorrow too as well which we mm. can talk about in a little bit mm-hmm. but when it comes to yeah Parsons I agree Devontae Smith, definitely the better option at that point in the draft. And we were all praising at that point in the draft. Like, yeah, Devontae Smith. Yeah. If that was the guy we needed to get. We got him. Boom. And I thought that was going to be the end of story. But, no, it's really weird how that's popped up. And you look at Micah's numbers on Sunday against the Redskins. Only had three tackles. But, I mean, the two sacks that he had were unbelievable. And the forced fumble that resulted in a, a touchdown for the Cowboys. So, I understand why. And, yes, that one game alone obviously is not representative of the monster season that Micah Parsons has had this year because he's had games where he's been double-digit tackles and, you know, just absolutely dominating every aspect of the game. But, yeah, I I understand that you can see in there, okay, yeah, Micah Parsons is the real deal, whether he's getting three tackles or ten, wherever. I kind of lost my train of thought there. But it's that game alone – can still spur some great, great conversations, uh, many conversations when it comes to Micah Parsons and whether or not some teams should have went after him, some teams shouldn't. Because we could just get into this right now. I do believe that he should be considered Defensive Player of the Year, and not just considered, he should be defense Defensive Player of the Year. Not rookie, 
not anything, defensive player of the year because you look at the stats for a guy who is not committed to one position. Yeah. And if he were to focus on one or the other, either linebacker or defensive end, he would be just absurd, breaking records left and right. But because he goes back and forth, he can't have the full impact on the stat sheet, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. So I, I think you need to take that into account. I think that absolutely he should be Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, I mentioned, I'm not sure if the listeners caught it, but through 13 games, he's already surpassed Khalil Mack's totals in his Defensive Player of the Year season back in 2016. So just based off that sample size, Parsons absolutely deserves uh, c- consideration. Um, it, it's tough, though, you know, with, with T.J. Watt and with Miles Garrett, um, it's it's tough. He's he's facing some some high level competition this year. You know, T.J. Watt's definitely going to be. He he's been people. I don't know. I don't know if he was snubbed, but a lot of people think he was snubbed the past couple of years for Defensive Player of the Year. Agreed. Um, but I think when it's, when it's all said, it just puts in perspective just how uh, how dominant he's been, and especially as a rookie, man. He's I. Where do where do you go from here? That's that's what I'm saying. Like. Cowboys, Cowboys found themselves a, a good one in 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 Micah, and I don't want to say I told you so, but I called it. Not you specifically, but just yeah, yeah, I, knew, yeah, yeah. I knew you would be a a beast. I don't know if I expected this, especially right off the bat, but yeah. I mean, how many games left? Three for for the Cowboys now. Um, it's going to be a a lot. Those are big three big games for him. I, but I think he could absolutely pull out the Defensive Player of the Year if he keeps up this pace. Agreed. No, he should be. I mean, the the impact that he has on the game is ridiculous. Yeah. But Cowboys, far and away, best team in the East. Eagles do have an opportunity these next couple weeks to make up some ground. Um, Washington coming up this week, 1 o'clock, at home. Then another home game against the Giants the week after that, day after Christmas. And then at Washington to play the football team once again the week after, and then they close the season out at home against Dallas so let's get into yeah the Washington game this week what are you thinking do you think the Eagles after a bye week can continue the uh success that they had in the game against the Jets see that's the biggest thing for me we don't know how Hertz is gonna uh play coming off a bye week nope. we we don't know what Sirianni looks like coming off of a bye week I I think that's really the the biggest thing for me right now and it's that's why it's tough for me to predict you know what could happen in this game um but, you know, if you push that aside, Washington's pretty banged up. And the Eagles are back at home, back at the link. Uh, at the at the forefront of it all for the, the football team, Taylor Heineke. It, it looks like he's going to play, but he got really banged up in that Cowboys game. And I actually strangely have watched a, a decent amount of the football team. Really? In the past couple of weeks. I just, you know, happened to be on my, my TV. Um and I have noticed that team goes where Heineke goes. He is that team. He's that motor. He's the heart of that team. You know, when they look down, when they look down for the count, you know, out of it, Heineke makes one incredible play, and the whole you can just feel the whole energy of that team, that whole sideline is just picked back up. So, you know, it's, it's going to be big. If he isn't um, able to, to perform at his full capabilities, I think that bodes r- very well for the Eagles. And then on the other side of the ball – um, Jonathan Allen, their leading sack, tackle yep. for loss getter, just entered COVID protocol. He's joined. He's joining Montez Sweat 
who didn't play last week. He's not vaccinated, so there's, there's a good chance he doesn't play this week either, um, along with Kendall Fuller, uh, Terry McLaurin, and concussion protocol. He probably won't go. We'll see. Um, Eagles do have Quez Watkins on the list, but, you know, I, I don't – does that make an impact? I don't know. I don't think that, that drastically, especially compared to the football team's uh, list. Um, but, yeah, I, I think those are really the two – uh, points of emphasis that I'm looking at right now is how's Washington going to come out missing a lot of their key players and how are the Eagles going to come out um, coming off the, off of a bye week? We've yet to see it. Yeah, I think that's going to be a real test for Sirianni. Obviously, he's been sporadic when it comes to his coaching. Some games he looks to be a very solid NFL head coach. Other games he looks totally clueless. Mm-hmm. How does he come out of this bye week with a week of preparation? We shall see. Uh, what else in the NFL? What's going on? Well, a great game last night. Actually, yeah. the, the past two games between um, the Rams and the Cardinals and then the Buccaneers and the Bills have been really solid. Um, or actually, no, what, what was the Sunday night game? It was Bucks bills was 4-15. I'm thinking I thought that was the Sunday night primetime. It was, it was um, Packers. Packers-Bears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Packers-Bears, um, which – was very entertaining in the first half. And yeah, then I was Packers a good, good game, yeah. pulling away a little bit later on. But, yeah, I was very disappointed with the NFL slate on Sunday. And then we get Bucks bills then we get Packers-Bears, which was very entertaining. And then the game last night was highly entertaining as well. So yeah, what are you thinking? Anything noteworthy popping out from those three games right there? Well, I think uh, I'll, I'll just start with the game last night because it's fresh on my mind. Uh, how about the Rams? You know, they look. They looked dead. They looked like they were down for the count, you know. Looked like they were really struggling to find uh, their identity. Um, but they found life last night against the best record, uh, best team record-wise in the NFL, in the Cardinals. And, I mean, Matt Stafford, after throwing, I think he threw a pick six in three consecutive primetime games, plays a near-flawless game on the road for his first career win over an opponent more than five games over 500. So yeah. I think that was a, a, a really, really telling and a really huge win for the Rams to kind of get them back into the playoff picture. They were, in, they were in the playoff picture. I should say the Super Bowl contention uh, picture. Definitely definitely big game for, for him and uh, Aaron Donald too. Still got it. I mean, if that was even ever a question, but it was on full display last night. The uh, I don't know who the the offensive lineman for the the Cardinals was, but he was just he was having it rough out there trying to handle AD. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that was I think that was the biggest. You know that was that was a big that was a must must win must win for the Rams. Must win, and I think Matthew Stafford definitely silenced some of the doubters. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he, he's got this team right back on the right track. So we'll see exactly what comes out of that. It, it's weird. Once Odell Beckham Jr. got to L.A., they kind of went on a slide. Not not saying because it was his fault, but just coincidentally happened where mm-hmm. as soon as he got there and they had this new look Rams, they, they struggled. The chemistry that they had before was no longer there necessarily, but it definitely seems like they got it back yeah, last night. Yeah, three touchdowns in, yeah. in four games, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, yeah, Matthew Stafford looked on and the team as a whole just looked on. So. Excited to see what they do. Yeah, man, this uh, this this playoff picture it just keeps getting well, they, more condensed and tighter. You look ahead to the AFC, and I saw this one wild graphic the other day. I I gotta pull it up. There were like eight teams 
maybe, who were all within one or two games yeah. of each other once you get to the – oh, yeah, here it is. AFC playoff chase right now. Uh, this might have been – this was before the Sunday night game. Six, six, but I guess that doesn't matter because both games, <laughs> both Sunday night and Monday night, were NFC. So, okay, yeah, we're good. Um, Colts <laughs> in the sixth spot, they're 7-6. Seven Bills 7-7-6. Seven, seven Browns 8, 7 and 6, 9 Bengals 7 and 6, 10 Broncos 7 and 6. In the 11th spot, Steelers 6, 6 and 1, only a half game out. Raiders 6 and 7, and then Dolphins 6 and 7 at number 13. So from spots 6 to 13, there is only a game separating. I don't remember the I don't remember the last time it was this close in week 14. Like, there's usually, like, two or three teams fighting for, like, the final two spots, but there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's, like, eight teams right now Yeah, fighting. I mean, wow. it's <laughs> This is going to be a, a crazy, crazy last three weeks of the season. Somebody put in the replies, I haven't seen so many seven-wing teams in a row since Jeff Fisher. <laughs> That's pretty good. Golden. Great tweet right there. A plus. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. AFC. I'm looking forward to seeing what that's going to be about. Uh, um, NFC. NFC. NFC's pretty pretty tight, too. Yeah. I mean, you got the Vikings at six and seven, the Eagles, Falcons are six and seven, Saints. I don't think anything below that is, is going to matter. But um, yeah. I, mean, I don't, I don't even the, think that the Saints are going to matter. I think the Saints. Yeah, I don't are, really yeah. think the Saints will matter either. I'm just looking record, but I don't think the Falcons. Mm, and I don't think the Falcons matter. This is, a, this is a big, huge game this week. I didn't really even mention the playoff implications that this Eagles football team game has. Um, I'm going to try to go to it. I'm trying to get tickets. Really? <laughs> yeah. Haven't been to a, a Birds game since... Well, I went to a preseason game. I haven't been to one... When was the last one I went to in person? I don't know. It's been a minute. But I tailgated the, the, the wild card loss to Seattle. Oh. Yeah. Not fun. I was going to get tickets to it. Thank God I didn't. Wentz got knocked out in the first, like, ten minutes. It is interesting. If we go back to that, Wentz doesn't go down in that playoff game. We win the game. I mean, what was it, 10-3? Yeah. Was that Uh, the final? Yeah. We were in the driver's seat. Yeah. If he stays in the game, doesn't get injured, we win that game. First of all, the narrative around him totally changes. He finally picks up a playoff win. Mm-hmm. And he does. he's not labeled more so as injury prone. Well, because yeah. that's the other thing, too. He was the one who willed the Eagles to the playoffs late in that season yeah, and but, then was yeah. playing very well in that first postseason game until he got knocked out. But if he stays in the game, wins it, I, I think there's a very good chance that we see a scenario Carson Wentz is still in Philly today. But that second, or I guess that wasn't the second injury, that was really the, the third injury. That third injury in that postseason game against the Seahawks really was the final nail in the coffin and what kind of sent this franchise down a spiral. And I think it carried over, traumatized them a little bit heading into next season, and that's partially yeah. why you saw some of that poor play. So just a little yeah. Theory right there. He never he never got that break, that big break that he needed as no. the Eagles quarterback. But yeah. that could have been the break. It could have been the break. Yeah. That playoff game. So, yeah. yeah, interesting thought just to put out there into the universe. But we've been on air for about twenty minutes, so we got to go to a break. We'll be right back with some more talk, some more sports because it's what we do. 
But this is No Boundaries right here on Com Radio. Stay tuned. Hello out there. We're on the air. It's hockey night tonight. You heard that right. Hockey Night in State College is back on Com Radio's airwaves from 7 to 8 p.m. on Wednesday nights with Chris Hess, Danny Murray, and Nate Pullen. That's 7 to 8 p.m. on Wednesday nights right here on Com Radio. Do you have a past experience you'd like to tell? Nittany Stories at Com Radio is the place to be. Host Colton Plazluski sits down with a new guest every Friday from 6 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. to recount some of our own classic life tales. Be there or be square. Have you or a loved one suffered from a disappointing NFL team? Are you a victim of tanking for the draft? Are you a Jets fan? You may be entitled to full access to State College's top sports show, The Lunch Break, hosted by Dugan Lloyd and Chip DeFalco. Tune in Mondays from 12 to 12.30 p.m. Don't let the system win. Live from the Belisario Media Center, it's Zach Donaldson and Connor Griffin talking all sports, anytime, anyplace, no boundaries right here on Com Radio. We are here on Com Radio. Obviously a little bit of a bumpy start to the show. Trying to get the mics <laughs> to work. I also, I just went to Zach in the break. I was like, I don't remember what I had for lunch this morning. Or, and I just made a goof right there. I didn't have lunch in the morning. I had it in the <laughs> afternoon. I don't remember what I had for lunch in the afternoon. And uh, finally it came to me. I was like, oh yeah, I had a leftover meatball sub from McClanahan's yesterday. Meatball Monday carried over into today Delicious. so yeah all good there let's talk some uh some penn state football though we had the entire nfl segment let's get into some college um and yeah like i said penn state but then we could also transition and talk about some other cool stuff going on a lot of stuff going on with the transfer portal all sorts of juicy juicy tidbits so mm-hmm. to start off we'll get into somebody who's not transferring somebody who in fact is staying for his sixth year in the program it's sean clifford he came out on friday made this big announcement saying that he's very much looking forward to, uh, I guess, capitalizing on the COVID year and cashing that in and being able to come back, play with his brothers, play with his literal blood brother in Liam Clifford. And, uh, yeah, he's going to be back for a sixth season. A lot of, I would say, negativity and judgment surrounding this decision. I don't know which side of the uh, equation you fall on. I don't think we talked about this a whole lot. No, not, not really. Not act, not after he um, announced that he was returning. Um, but going off of that, I think it's a, I think it's a great move for him. I, for him, for him, yes, for him, Defin- it's a great, move, definitely yeah. for him. For Penn State, the jury is still out. Um, but you know, I don't think it's the the worst, you know, thing in the world to you know have him come back and at least be, you know, a, a veteran, you know, leader to. LR, Pribula, or Veyu, whoever that may be, all three of them for that matter. But you also got to remember, this This is a guy who I never thought he was as bad as people make him out to be. 
Does Penn State, I don't know if it's the students, I don't know if it's the media, they make him out to be like he's like horrible. He's not horrible. He's not great. He's not C.J. Stroud. He's not uh, Bryce Young. But he's not horrible. Not at all. And, and, and this is a, the amount of hate that he gets on social media, I mean, it's kind of disturbing. Like, this is a college kid. Like, if he was getting paid $35, $40 million, whatever, in the, in the NFL, okay, that's a little bit different. But this is a college kid. Like, he's he's trying to, you know, find his way. And, um, you know, he's, he's – and, and he was on his way to being, I, I think, personally, in the Heisman conversation, he doesn't, he doesn't get hurt against Iowa. And he finishes that game. I think he puts up some career numbers. Cause he was he was on fire so at the beginning of it, and I, I think that the whole season could be turned around. You know, I hate to play the what if game, but you know, I think it's I think it's very valid, um, and I, I think it's a guy who who also showed improvement. I think he showed improvement each year um, that he's been here, and I, I and I think about what happened with Kenny Pickett last year. A lot of Pitt fans were like, "Oh, we know what this guy brings us." Blah blah blah. We we need to to move on and give someone else a sh- give someone else a shot. Kenny Pickett comes out, takes huge huge strides in in his final year. Uses that extra year of eligibility, and you know he beats um, who they lose to it was Miami and someone else. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking. About. It, but if he you know he even even beats one of them and and, and they came close, I I think that he's definitely he. You know, he finished – what did he finish? Did he finish second? No. Oh, he didn't? No, that was Hutchinson. Oh, really? Hutchinson finished second, yeah. Wow, interesting. But bottom line, he was a Heisman finalist. And I think – I'm not saying that's what Sean's going to bring um, when he returns for this sixth year, but I think that's something that you have to look at. Um, and, you know, and hey, it, if it doesn't work out, if he doesn't take those strides and, and you know, he – he just kind of returns to Sean Clifford, like you know what you're getting with him, and you know this his ceiling. Then you know it's I don't think it's that that big of a deal because you have you have guys lined up, especially if say Alar showing something in practice, like oh this guy's good, we got to get him in the game, and Sean's just you know just average Sean, not really doing anything spectacular. I don't think the coaches would hesitate to bench him and put in. Drew or Evaya, whoever it may be. I mean, they did it with they did it with uh, Levis. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I kind of rambled there. I was all over the place, but here here's what I'll say about Clifford because I'm with you. I've never been in the camp that he's a bad quarterback. 2018, he's obviously under a trace, but the few glimpses we got from him were very very assuring. Mm-hmm. 2019, he takes over as the starter, 11 and two, Cotton Bowl win. But two biggest games of the season on the road at Ohio State, he goes down, and Will Levis has the offense churning more, way more than Sean Clefford ever did in that game. And then Minnesota, later on that year, he throws some bad interceptions, including one that sealed the game, yeah. and Penn State loses a heartbreaker. Yeah, 2020, he is all over the place, and that's what I really think people – People already, yeah. even though yes, he led us to an eleven win season. Eleven win season. I think people already started to question him a little bit, and they were looking for reason to bag him. Yeah. And then, sure enough, twenty twenty happens. New offensive coordinator. They're not practicing. 
They're having you know Zoom meetings instead of team meetings in person. Uh, the whole team is in this weird rut. That was the year where they're like, okay, yeah, Sean Clifford, he's bad. Pour it on him. And then when he comes back this year and plays very solid and was starting off, as you said, as maybe a potential Heisman person, I know people internally, they were talking about, yeah, yeah. like we could try and market this and maybe a, a Clifford and Jahan paired Heisman, you know, campaign. Definitely. Um, yeah, he comes around this year, and I think people were still in that mindset. Oh, yeah, Sean Clifford's a bad quarterback. Well, no. As you said, had he not gone down against Iowa, it's a completely different season. He was the key to the season, and, yeah, him going down changed everything. And you look at the losses later in the year once he was back. You look at Ohio State. Um, you look at Michigan, Michigan State. They were not his fault. I think it's coaching. Coaching, there's yeah lack of a run game. No offensive line is not did was not great at all. Yeah, so they were not his fault. Though those, those losses later on in the season, and you look at Illinois too, he was not 100 percent against yeah, yeah. Illinois. The playbook was very limited. So he is a good quarterback. He is going to be very helpful when it comes to the beginning of the season next year, starting the season on the road against Purdue two weeks later, and then going on the road to Auburn. So having a 24-year-old quarterback, who this will now be his fourth year as a starter, very impactful and very good for your program. But I do fear longevity-wise, yeah, how is it going to impact these new guys coming in? And is it going to create this weird ripple effect because this is not natural? It's mm-hmm. not natural for somebody who's 24 to be leading your program. Yeah. Is it going to you know backlog everything in a way? That was unexpected, and are is that going to stunt the growth of Alar of Value? And you brought up would the coaching staff, you know, maybe put in a Value or an Alar if they showed signs of being the better quarterback in practice? I don't know. I I, yeah, I don't know if they would yeah. want to be loyal to Clifford, and that's what scares me about it because that's the thing too. When in college, has there ever been a transition of power from quarterback to quarterback? like a Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers type of thing. Because I, I, I think the more important role for Clifford is not on the field. I think it's mentoring the younger guys, the younger quarterbacks in the room. Could but be, yeah. he's a, a guy who, you know, he might still be trying to prove that he can play in the NFL. He might still be trying to prove that he's worthy of, you know, NIL deals and trying to make as much money as possible. I don't know if he's going to be in that mindset, and rightfully so, of mentoring younger guys you know what i mean when has that ever happened in college when you're in college you're worried about showing off you yeah you're worried about obviously the team but mainly making sure you're getting playing time making sure that you're getting attention making sure you're getting focused so you can then profit off of that later down the road you're, you're competing all the time yeah i think he's still going to be in that competitive mindset and he's not going to be worried about oh yeah is drool r going to be you know okay if i stay an extra year i, I don't know it's going to be interesting to see and i hope that at least they continue to have a solid relationship because as of right now, Drew Allar and Sean Clifford uh, have been very responsive to each other and have been connected, and overall they seem to be you know, pretty tight. But mm-hmm. I, I hope that can continue, and I hope that mentorship does come about because he is the future. Even Veyu. Veyu is the future too. Um, and I hope they're not getting shafted here. I hope that Sean yeah. Clifford isn't taking away opportunity from them. Yeah. Time will tell. Time will tell. Elsewhere. Uh, 
Ewers, Quinn Ewers, goes to Texas, Yeah, which is wild. He obviously entered the transfer portal, left Ohio State, goes to Texas. Um, big get for the Longhorns. Not going to say they're back, but yeah. Sarkeesian no. seems to be the right guy uh, to turn things around. Obviously, a disappointing year this year, uh, but still, it's they're rebuilding, and they're actually having to tear a lot of stuff down. So I'm going to be very interested to see what yours can do, especially now that they're moving to the SEC in a little bit. Um, actually, will, will yours be around for that? I don't know. Can he get them in a good spot before they leave for the SEC? That'll be interesting. And then um, also Spencer Rattler going to South Carolina, which was very interesting. Yeah, I, I could not believe that. But nonetheless, he's going there. Shane Beamer, who had an awesome first year as head coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks, lands a huge commit. Um, of course, character-wise, I fear for Spencer Rattler. But in terms of skill, I mean, I, I, I think that South Carolina is very lucky to have a guy of his caliber. I, I don't think he was good enough for Oklahoma, but I do think he's good yeah. enough for South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, South Carolina hasn't had a guy like that uh, at the quarterback position, you know, in, in terms of recruit in a, in a while. So we'll see how that, that pans out for them. Um, I agree with you with, with Ewers. It, it'll, I don't know if it'll completely turn around, you know, Texas. I thought it was an interesting transfer decision, although he is from Texas. So yeah. I guess he wanted to, if Ohio State wasn't an option, he wanted to stay home. That's respectable. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, this is the, this, we're talking about not just a five star recruit. This is one of, if not, he might be the highest rated quarterback prospect of all time. Hmm. So, you know, he's gonna have a, a lot of, a lot of expectations uh, down there with the Longhorns, um, and I, I, I guess um, I, I do find it interesting though. He, he decided to transfer from Ohio State. Does was the decision you know based around? I'm I'm kind of just trying to gauge what the decision, why he made that decision. Does he not think that? He has the ability to beat out a guy like C.J. Stroud, or you know, he just wants you know just be close to home. He's like, yeah, I don't, I don't need that. I just want to showcase what I can do. Go do it close to my hometown. Um, or is there a, a a hole in his game that possibly he doesn't feel confident about and didn't want to? You know, I don't know. I'm just brainstorming. Yeah, it's interesting. And again, I think NIL has totally thrown a massive wrinkle into the mix. And this is a guy we know who is very intent on NIL and overall his his brand, what he can do to maximize his star power. Texas, even though Ohio State isn't a brand to, to scoff at, is the bigger brand, one of the, if not the biggest brand in college football. And he can go there and he can start as opposed to, yeah, having to wait out or C.J. Stroud, who almost had a Heisman season, to you know wait him out and wait to take over after Stroud is done. He can be a starter right away with Texas, and he can be at a bigger brand, and he can you know have more of an impact there. Plus, maybe I don't want to say that this was the main reason, but maybe he sees, oh yeah, Michigan just beat us, mm. Michigan State. With Mel Tucker, they're starting to look pretty formidable. James Franklin, 
has this big-time recruiting class coming in. Will I get to play? And if I do play, is it going to be super difficult to win? Even though, yes, he's at Ohio State, a program that has had great success over the past decade in the Big Ten, but it's getting harder. Yeah, that's and a good point. Is that going to be a hindrance to me maximizing my star power and maximizing my exposure? I think at Texas it knocks out a lot of those issues and a lot of those concerns, personally. Yeah, so that's a good point. Thank you. I'm full of them. Um, <laughs> we're going to go to commercial break, though. We'll be back with basketball talk. Uh, show's already coming a little bit to an end, so we'll get on that. We'll get to some hoops, uh, some Sixer stuff. Should be a lot of fun, so be sure to stick around. You're listening to No Boundaries right here on Com Radio. Hey, Cade. Hey, Emily. Did you know that Mr. Rogers was a pastor before his television show? No, I didn't. Well, did you also know that Ted Bundy escaped prison two different times? Wait a minute. This is a lot coming at me right now. How do you know all this? I listen to our talk show, Documentary Deep Focus. Oh, the one every Tuesday at 445? That's it. Well, I can't wait to see you there. Tune in on Com Radio to hear what Emily and I find out this week on Documentary Deep Focus. Are you tired of working hard for your income? Do you wish you could just sit on your couch and get some money while you're in the right place? Grab a seat and from 6.15 to 6.45 every Wednesday, Charlie and Austin will bring cash right to your ears. Don't miss the Charlie and Austin Sports Hub here on Tom Radio. You should listen to Broad Street Bros, a Philly sports show. It's on the one and only Com Radio. Jack McCune is on the mic every Thursday night, 5.45 to 6.45. Yeah, that's right. Hold up, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was finished? Oh, wait. Yeah, that's it. Listen to Broad Street Bros if you love Philly sports. Thursdays from 5.45 to 6.45 on the one and only Com Radio. Welcome back into No Boundaries with Zach Donaldson and Connor Griffin, right here on Com Radio. Yo, 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 we're back. Live in studio, No Boundaries. Last segment before we get into our send-off, and we are talking some hoops. Ben Simmons in particular, our favorite diva. <laughs> she has been thrown around a little bit in the trade conversations as of late. Um, there is uh, a rule in the NBA where players who sign free agent deals over the summer are not eligible to be traded until a particular point in the season, usually around December. That day where they become eligible to be traded is tomorrow. So 65% of the league is currently eligible to be traded. That number rises to 85% tomorrow. And I think that's partially why you're seeing a lot of these rumors circle about Ben Simmons. I think Daryl Morey has been working the phones, trying to get ahead of that. Mm-hmm. Um, that I don't want to call it a deadline. That, I guess, just date in general. So, Ben Simmons, do you think that this issue gets resolved soon? And if it does, what type of impact does that have on the Sixers? I mean, I hope so. And the impact depends on what they get in return. Um, over the last week since the last show, I believe there have been three games. 
maybe four. They beat the Hornets, got destroyed by the Jazz, mm-hmm. somehow put out an incredible defensive effort led by Thibel against the Warriors, ended up winning that game, um, and then got blown out by the Grizzlies last night. And I've come to the conclusion, <laughs> after a very promising start, very, very, very promising start, I think I said I I've, I felt the best watching this team through five or six games that I have in the last uh, c- couple years where they've been relevant. Now I'm growing sick of watching them. <laughs> yeah. And I have come to accept that this team can't win a title as it is. Ben Simmons has completely handcuffed this team, and they don't have a real shot un- until it's resolved. Um. And I mentioned the 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 some I don't know somehow the the Sixers I don't know if it was Doc I don't know if Thibault made that big of an impact on the game somehow they were able to lock down the Warriors and 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 really, um, I mean just completely neutralize all that team and they have a lot of a lot of playmakers on there, um, but outside of that the defense has just not been there at all and it, it's 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 very frustrating to to watch, um, and um. Oh, I lost my train of thought. I um, that happened. <laughs> but yeah, the defense has been has been very frustrating to watch. And um oh my gosh, what was I going to Come say? Come on, Jack. <laughs> well, let me, oh, this is what I was going to say. The offense, the offense has been okay, but it's been hindered by one main culprit, I think. And that's Tobias Harris. Yeah. He ain't it right now. No. He is not getting it done right now. He is I saw this today. Tobias Harris is one of the twenty highest paid athletes in America. He's top twenty in America. I had the graphic, uh, I can't find it. I thought I took a screenshot of it, but I didn't. Um but the list was just it's, you know, superstar, 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 all the way down to number twenty, and then you see Tobias Harris. Yeah. He's getting paid more than Joel Embiid is this season. Harris is making $36 million a year. Embiid's making $32 million a year. And he's just playing nowhere near up to that, uh, the, the, that contract. He's shooting 30% from three, which is his lowest since 2014. Absolutely not going to get it done. And he just ruins the spacing for Embiid underneath constantly. And I don't know if maybe he's – I know he's been on and off the court with COVID – been a little banged up. Maybe he's just struggling to find a rhythm. And I know he um, was kind of meant to be a number two. But I know we talked about trading Simmons. Do we look to move Tobias as well? Well, so that's the thing. I think Simmons is the key to everything because I think part of the reason why yeah. Tobias was such a dominant force last year was because Simmons took more of an onus on himself to be more aggressive. Yeah. And a lot of weight was taken off of Tobias, but also part of that weight came away because Ben Simmons was facilitating and Ben Simmons was able to create space, was able to open up shots for other people, and Tobias stepped up and really did a nice job of getting in rhythm, finding open space on the floor, and just being available for whenever Ben was there and needed somebody to throw it to. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's part of it. I think having Ben not playing is very... Uh, consequential when it comes to the development of Tobias Harris. Definitely. But, I mean, we've seen that Tobias Harris playing with Doc Rivers can have a lot of success. I hope 
that Ben Simmons isn't the end-all, be-all. And I hope that Doc can figure out a way to be the Tobias whisperer that we know him to be and get him more involved. But I agree. He is the main culprit. But at the same time, the fact that, yeah, the Sixers are playing, essentially it's like one of their best players is injured right now yeah, and isn't available. Obviously, that's not the case. He's just sitting out because he wants to sit out. But it's a huge disadvantage, one of the biggest, if not the biggest disadvantages in the Eastern Conference, yet they're still, you know, what, sixth place? Yeah, still in the, I mean, right in the thick of the playoff. Yeah, There's it, a couple games separating those teams, too. If they can resolve this issue and get him out of here yeah, they gotta get out and of here. get something in return that, you know, so, somebody who has decent star power, I think that this team could really make a run. I'm not saying they're going to be championship contenders, but I think that they could move up a couple of spots in, in the standings and who knows, maybe host a playoff series or something like that. I don't know. Possible. I just think that this is looming over the franchise, this whole Ben Simmons situation. They know it has to get resolved soon, and the fact that it's not being resolved is causing a lot of stress, a lot of pressure, and it's resulting in overall poor play on the floor. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, as you said, they are not consistent whatsoever. No. Um, and it's the games, yeah, against teams that really – I'm not saying that they should blow these teams out, but they, they're better than these teams on paper. It's those games that they're struggling in and those games that they're losing. So I, I don't know what the deal is, and they're just not consistent, and they're all over the place. And I think Ben Simmons yeah. uh, looming over everything is definitely not helping. Put it yeah. that way. All over the place, I think, is the best way to describe the, the Sixers Yeah. right but now. That being said, though, the whole COVID situation – that yeah it didn't help either. Who whose games just got postponed? Bulls. The Bulls. The Bulls yeah. just got two games canceled. I because think. the the city of Chicago said that they were scared, um, you know, for the players' health. They didn't think it would be in their best interest to play. Mm-hmm. Why didn't the city of Philadelphia? Yeah. If, if the NBA was going to say, "Oh no, Sixers, you have to play," why yeah. why doesn't the Philly city of Philadelphia come out and say, "Oh yeah, we don't think that it's in." the players' best interest to play. Because yeah. that screwed us over so bad. And it did last year, too, where we have to play these games where we have half the roster, mm-hmm. if that. But other teams get their games rescheduled or postponed or canceled. Yeah. And it's, uh, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I didn't really think about that. Unfair. Yeah. Um, if the city of Chicago can come out and say, oh, yeah, we don't want them playing, and the NBA bends to the city of Chicago, okay, then why won't they bend to the city of Philadelphia? Yeah. That's a, that's a interesting point. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, we all know Adam Adam Silver hates the Sixers, so you know, there you go. It's probably yeah, probably the the explanation we need right there. But uh, yeah, I think they hate the process. They hate the process. I mean, he's the one who uh, he tore it apart. R.I.P. Sam Hinkie died for our sins. <laughs> but um, it, I'll I'll close. I don't know if we want to shift, but I just I'll close with this. I think. Just looking at everything, I think if if Daryl Morey can somehow swing a three-team deal, I think that's the only way it's going to happen. Too. Yeah, it, I, at this point, it, it it has to be. That's what it has to be. Get rid of Tobias, Ben. I don't know. Throw some picks in there. Shake Milton. I don't know. If he can somehow get Jalen Brown and Buddy Heald. I don't know if there's a better package out there. Money. And I think, yeah, and I think it's very, you know, feasible 
to an extent. I don't know. I mean, the Kings, the Kings are talking about they just uh, released a report today or whatever. Rumors were swirling today that they're trying to move Buddy Heald right now. And Buddy's been wanting to get out of there for, it seems like, years now. Who wouldn't? Yeah, right. Sacramento. Sacramento. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think that's that's really the money package right there. You have the defense, the scoring, the playmaking with Brown, the shooting, the spacing with Heald. I think that catapults the Sixers to the top of the East close to the top of the NBA. Here's my take on it, because I, I do think that this is almost an impossible situation to swing if you're Daryl Morey, that this mess. It's one thing, you know, because obviously I compare it to Kawhi Leonard back in, I guess it was 2016, 2017, his last year with the Spurs, where he just did not play. At least you knew, okay, Kawhi Leonard is a very solid player, Yes, there are concerns about injuries or whatever, but mainly he's sitting out because he does not want to play in San Antonio. But if he were in a place where he did want to play, you knew that he was going to perform and you knew that you were going to be getting a good return on your investment. Nobody knows what the hell is going on with Ben Simmons right now. He's coming across as a real diva, whereas that was not the case with Kawhi Leonard. And uh, he has not played a lick of basketball since he had the huge mental collapse in the postseason. So what are you getting from Ben Simmons? What Ben Simmons are you getting? We don't know. Yep. And there's no market for him right now. And so if Daryl Morey can figure out a way to, to turn this around into a win and we deal him somewhere, I mean, that's just huge. And the one thing I'm telling myself is, hey, he got rid of Al Horford somehow. Yes, he, yeah, that's now, that's true. This is obviously a much worse situation than the Al Horford situation. And who would have thought it could get worse than Al Horford? Yeah, <laughs> but that contract with Horford, I was like, there's no way anybody's going to take that. And he got rid of him, so Thunder. I, I'm telling myself that that is the saving grace. Hey, Daryl Morey is in charge, and he can make anything happen. Yeah, I will say the Thunder, too. Um, Shea Gilgis Alexander is another one who I would welcome it with open arms i think he'd be a phenomenal fit that but, team looks awful right now by the way what's up that team looks awful the thunder right now by the way yeah oh yeah i know i SGA, mean yeah i that, think he's very possible. the cornerstone there i don't know if sam presti would actually pull the trigger the contract's another issue but i mean i mean you know sam presti and his picks yeah i mean that could be a possibility we'll see hopefully soon man because this team they need it this team they yeah, it, it needs it and the, the, the morale too with the city, I don't think is where it no. needs to be because this no. is still a lingering issue. So we'll see if, yeah, Daryl Morey, savior, can get it done. But um, only time will tell. Speaking of time, we're about <laughs> out of it. We're going to go to a quick commercial break and then we'll be right back to sign off. So stay tuned. You're listening to No Boundaries. Last show of the semester. Stick with us. No. Hey, Dad, I'm really running low on some funds in my account, and I really think I need to get a job. You're in luck. Penn State Dining is already hiring students for all positions for the fall 2021 semester. Apply now and save yourself time later. Penn State Dining has great pay and flexible hours, so make sure to get your application in today. Go to foodservices.psu.edu today to take advantage of this amazing opportunity. That's foodservices.psu.edu. Oh no, it's a Wednesday afternoon. There's no football on. Where are you going to get your football picks? Well, we've got you covered right here on Com Radio. 
every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Tune in to First and Ten with Trevor Grady and Chris S. They'll tell you everything you need to know about the world of football each week. That's Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. right here on Con Radio. Final segment for our final show of the fall 2021 semester. The next time we will be on here will be 2022. So, before we leave you, Zach, did you see anything fun that you wanted to discuss on air? I didn't see anything fun in particular, but I will be seeing something fun on Friday. I know what it is. This seems I to be wish it was Thursday. I'm going to have to stay off my phone for that entire day because I do not want anything spoiled, and I just know that the comment sections, the the the, the trends are going to be completely ridden with, with spoilers, I would think. Spider-Man, it's coming. Yeah. I'm dude. I'm stoked. I'm seeing it Thursday. Did you did you get the um? Is it the? F- I know there's like a four and there's like a seven, or something. I saw. I I'm going at eight thirty. Are you going at eight thirty? Okay. Yeah. So we have eight thirty. Uh oh, I just hit the microphone right there. Eight thirty, AMC theaters right by us. Recliner seats. Mm-hmm. Has to have to be. So there's really not a bad seat in the house. Like yeah, you could no. be sitting up front row and it wouldn't matter because you can lean back. Um, but yeah, seats C. C four through seven, I believe. Me and my three friends will be going to see it Thursday. I'm excited. The rev- I've been watching the reviews. Um, they've been very, very good so far. So, let's go, Spider-Man: No Way Home. Yes. Um, like I said, I haven't been looking forward to a Marvel movie like this since Endgame. I think that this even tops Endgame for me. I I'm on the I'm on the fence too, honestly. Personally, yeah. Um, this is no. This is gonna be wild. Anyway. That's what we got going on this week. Very excited for that. Today uh, is Jersey Day. I don't know if it's National Jersey Day or International Jersey Day or whatever, but uh, do you have a favorite jersey that you've ever owned? Ooh, that I've ever owned. See, I have. I'm. I have bought some some jerseys <laughs> throughout the years. I have a I have a TJ McConnell Sixers jersey. Love that. That's one of my favorites. Um, I think that's my most like the outlandish one i guess you could say um my favorite one i mean i love rocking the bryce harper pinstripes yeah um yeah joel and b is a, a classic one um i have a i got a tyler hero like the miami the why? miami vice one why <laughs> i got it before last summer i didn't really wear it that much because he kind of uh Took a step back last year. I was like, "Guys, kind of trash." <laughs> he did. He took a massive step back. Kind of trash, but I'll go with uh, no. I think that T.J. McConnell one reigns supreme. I, I'm a. I may I loved him on the Sixers. Still rooting for him in Indiana. I think he's hurt right now though. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think that's my favorite one. What about you? Yeah, I've had, I've had some good ones. I um, I probably lean towards the first one I ever owned, which was a Penn State Paul Puzlosny, uh Ooh. number thirty-one jersey. Fire. I wish I, I actually I might I know Chris Hess, one of our fellow com radio uh geeks <laughs> when it comes to Penn State football. He has a way of getting like very old jerseys. Um I think he has a Zach Mills jersey that he just got. Like I don't know how. But I might hit him up and try and get a replica of the jersey that I had when I was very little. Love that jersey. Um otherwise 
I had a really nice LeBron James Heat number six um, stitch jersey that I loved. I still have it actually. It's a, it's like a schmedium on me now, but I still like to wear it sometimes. That's tough. Yeah, I got a thing. I had a Cavs one. What? I had a Cavs one. It was like a must. It was like a, I got like the mustard yellow. Same. Cavs I had one. One. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I was I repped it for a long. It doesn't fit me now, but I repped it, dude, for all those all those finals runs, yeah. like from like what was it 2017, 2018? I was rocking that thing in the summer. I miss it. Yeah, I have every single team LeBron has ever been on. I have his jersey. That's dope. Yeah, it's a little bit extreme, but it's okay. I have a I have a Westbrook OKC one, a Westbrook Houston one. Don't have a Washington one. I kind of want a Lakers one. I know we sit on opposite sides of the spectrum yeah. when it comes to Russ, but <laughs> just <laughs> that a was just bit. the most I could relate. I was to trying that. to think of like a retort to that, but I just sat there in silence <laughs> instead. I wasn't even going to acknowledge that. Well, that's going to do it, though. I was I was going to say just last little tidbit. I I am the. The Lakers were in the the Ben Simmons. That name was coming up with the Lakers, and thankfully Daryl Morey said he doesn't doesn't want Russell Westbrook. Although he's one of my favorite players, that would be a mess. I oh, think, well, especially with Joel Embiid, their history. Oh yeah, I didn't even. Yeah, that'd be funny. That would be that would be funny. Yeah, um, no. but thankfully that's you know not not here nor there. We can avoid that. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's gonna do it. Where can they find you, Zach? Can find me. On all social media platforms at Zach Donaldson underscore. You can follow the show's account at N Zero Boundaries. Make sure to give this a re-listen if you want. You're gonna be without us for a couple weeks, so go on that Spotify and re-listen to some of our past shows, bring up some of our most our hottest takes, our coldest takes, you know, whatever you please. It's all there. Yeah, and uh we'll do some editing on this episode too to make sure that <laughs> yeah, yeah. the parts that are either silent or you could barely hear us. Make sure that those are fixed. Uh, you can find me at Real C Griff on all social platforms. But thank you so much for tuning in. I guess, yeah, happy new year. Happy holidays. We'll catch you in 2022. Until then, this has been Connor Griffin, Zach Donaldson signing off for No Boundaries. Peace.